0: Welcome to the Untribal Podcast, the show that gives you news content by regular people, for regular people. We're back with our third season behind the mic. What a journey it's been since speaking at politicians on my eight-year-old laptop in my bedroom in lockdown. Sound quality as crackly and horrible as an exploding candy version of Terry's chocolate Orange. We've come a long way since then and it's all down to your support and your following every week, so thank you very much for that. Um... We've got some cracking guests uh, coming up this month. We've got Shadow Secretary of State for Scotland Ian Murray making his second Untribal Podcast appearance. We've got awards-winning investigative journalist Neil Mackay coming on. He's got some hilarious stories for us as well. And we've got a panel of football fans coming on to discuss the banner unveiled at Ibrox last week. Of Catholic slashing Bill the Butcher, including a host of Rangers fans who claim they're not afraid to speak their mind. So that'll be an interesting one and not one to mince. And of course, today, we've got another guest making her second Untribal podcast appearance. She's been up to plenty since that appearance. She's now a columnist at the National. She's the host of a major independence event tomorrow and she's had various appearances on panels like question time, but she's not forgotten her roots. She's back mm-hmm. on the Untriable podcast. Don't be fooled by the columns that she's got. She's still, she's still <laughs> Kelly for the block. It's Kelly Given, ladies and gents. How are you doing today, Kelly? All right? I'm good. How
1: are you? I'm not too bad. Good. What have
0: you, you been up to, Kelly? Tell us. Oh, us.
1: I've been up to loads, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been uh, it's been a while since the last time I was yep. in here. A few months. It's been
0: about a year, actually. Has it? Yeah, wow, been yeah about a year. Right yeah.
1: in the midst of meeting prime minister, isn't uh-huh. it? Yep. So. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, it's, yeah. Been a, it's been a year. <laughs> so t-
0: tell us, I mean, obviously you're now a columnist at the National. Tell how, yeah. what, What's that been like? How's that?
1: been really amazing. I mean, I've uh, always loved writing. I love mm-hmm. to write, and I've been like that since I was little. I've always loved it. Um, but I just... I think with having ADHD and stuff I find writing quite challenging and it's so I never really pursued it and it was like one of those things that I kind of enjoyed by myself but like never thought that that would ever have been possible for me mm. Um, and then Laura Webster came into the national and she wanted to diversify the voices and she kind of reached out and we had a couple of conversations and like i just could not believe it that opportunity was like there for the taking yeah. and i thought you know what go for it like you absolutely can do it and i'm not gonna lie like the start was really challenging like as someone with adhd it's so challenging to try and write on schedule every single week <laughs> yeah. and get it submitted on time and like lord i'll tell you there are times when like the timing slip
0: <laughs> like, yeah. i
1: do i am finding it i, I did find it really difficult but yeah. as time has gone on i've definitely improved my writing i've good. got into the swing of things and i'm just i love it yeah it's really amazing
0: good. and it's also The newspaper of independence. Really, you've always been an independence activist. That must have been such an honour to be called up for that. Totally. I mean,
1: just being able to have that platform. And I think what Laura, both Laura and I, were keen to do was to talk a bit more about not just independence, but painting a picture of what an independent Scotland could actually look like. And talk about topical issues. And so I talk a lot about like social issues and autism and ADHD and and um, public sector reform and all those kinds of things because I think that's what's important when we're talking about independence. Mm -hmm. We just stop talking so much about independence just for the sake of independence and talk about what. actually looks like and what the reasons for it are. Yep. So that's what we've been trying to do. And I think we're doing a good job. I think
0: you are as well. I mean, I've been vocal about that as well. This sort of obsession on how we get to independence yeah. before there's a mandate for me is just senseless conversation. But I do commends you that you're not you know shy to like critique scotland as well you're not yeah. like painting it the land of no. milk and honey you, i mean the public sector reforms is a good example of that why don't you tell us a little bit totally. about that article and I what, mean, what was behind that
1: i worked so i left school i stayed in school till sixth year left then sixth year went to uni, hated it, left and got a job in the Scottish Parliament. So that kind of kicked off my career in the public sector and I stayed in the public sector until this year. Right. Um, so you're talking like seven, eight years that I spent in there and it was hellish. Like it was mm. really not a good experience. I mean, I worked in the Scottish Parliament, then I worked um, in the House of Commons, then I worked in the NHS, uh, I worked in the Scottish Government. Um, and I mean, I've had good experiences in between that. There's mm. one in particular that was really, just a lovely experience and that was Later on, that was at the NHS, um, and right. it was only because I had a really good manager that that worked so right. well. Yeah, it makes um, a
0: difference, that, doesn't it? Yeah. But
1: my overwhelming experience with the public sector is that it's institutionally very ableist and not accessible at all, certainly for neurodivergent people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found it really difficult. I mean, no matter, I'm someone who's very career oriented, I've always had career goals, I've always been really motivated, and certainly in this the subject that I'm working in, like the Scottish Government, for example, I went into the equality unit. Mm-hmm. I mean, me in the equality unit, you'd think that that's like i'm actually in heaven like that's (laughs) exactly what i want to be doing yeah and i absolutely crashed and burned because it was just not it was not good and the support was non-existent it didn't exist it was awful it was a really bad experience and it's really it got me thinking a lot about you know the public sector is supposed to be the gold standard of Mm employee of employer relations and it's just it's not it's really bad and there's so there's such a long way to go and it felt really overwhelming and I think the reason that I chose to leave the public sector was because I was trying every day to make a difference and it did make quite a big difference at the NHS I was the chair of the Disabled Employee Network and we did a lot of good work but I could not. I couldn't even make a dent. Like it was like there's yeah. so much to unpack in those organisations that I had to just leave for my own well-being because I could not. And it, it, we need to have a conversation about it because it's mm. not. It's not good enough.
0: Yeah, I guess in these days, cause funding's so tight, you know, yeah. there isn't more scope for reformers in the private sector. If there is a bit more money to, yeah. you know, invest in inclusivity, then I guess it's there if it is available. when you say it's not good, what do you mean by that? Can you like tap into some experiences that? Like bring you to that conclusion, like you
1: uh. So in one in for for in one ex one example that is the most harrowing of them all, <laughs> the one that is the worst of them all. Um, when I presented them with my autism diagnosis, they told me that they disagreed that I was autistic. I mean, I presented them with a written letter from an NHS psychiatrist, and they responded, "I've got it in writing too." They were silly enough to put it in writing. Um, that they disagreed that I was autistic and that I, they thought I was just anxious. And I'm like, okay. What? So here is my qualified psychiatrist telling you that I have this diagnosis and you, some HR professional, thinks that you're qualified to tell me that I don't have what my doctor says that I do. So that, I mean, that's just direct ableism. Like that isn't discrimination. Uh There's no two ways about it. And the fact that, I mean, that whole experience for me, it's like the fact that they felt empowered to put that on a piece of paper and confidently send it out tells me that there is a huge institutional problem in terms of ableism and how Mm. they actually look after their staff and certainly from a neurodivergent perspective I think there's a lot of, they're starting to make groundwork on disabilities, neurodiversity is becoming a bit of a buzzword I fear and it's Mm. like they're trying to do like it's it's a bit of a trend and they're trying to do things here and there but it's very hollow and empty and if you look in the actual everyday runnings of the organizations they're not inclusive for neurodivergent people they are starting to make some headway in terms of disability rights and i think in terms of like physical disabilities there's a little bit more awareness and they are starting to be be a bit better but in terms of neurodiversity they they're saying all the right things and Mm. you would be led to believe that they're doing the right things but it just doesn't it does not translate into actual experience on the ground buzzwords buzzwords yeah
0: what would what would good reform look like you know in terms of the institutional change that you're talking about what what would you like if you were to go to work in the scottish government again what would you have liked to seen in your workplace that would have made it more welcoming and you know a better place to work essentially what would you have liked to seen like in sort of tangible Terms, if that makes sense.
1: I think it all comes down to ignorance. I really do. I think it mm. all comes down to a genuine lack of understanding. Um, and I mean, I don't have any animosity towards the people that I used to work with or anything like that because I do genuinely believe that they just didn't know how to how to help or what to do. It's not an excuse, but it's the truth. And I think if there was just a general better awareness, and also if there were more autistic and and neurodivergent voices mm. in these organisations, you would see the change that needs to happen. I mean, I went into the NHS and i was like the token autistic person i I didn't see another one for miles away and they (laughs) straight away they put me in this like chair of disabled employee network role and it became my responsibility to kind of undo all this damage and like these bad policies and i'm like surely i am not the only autistic person in this whole organization that any of you could have come to or could have asked about this policy Um, and the fact is it's just that they don't autistic people don't and neurodivergent people don't have a big enough voice and Mm -hmm. they're not because they're so kept out of the workplace in the first place they're not there to make the change they're not there to speak up because you're not letting them in the door because your policies and your practices don't work Mm -hmm. I mean even things like something that really sticks in my mind is when I worked at the Scottish Government they were rolling out this um, smarter workplaces initiative and it was basically like they were redoing all their office space to be more inclusive and to be more flexible and I can't tell you how awful it was for neurodivergent people like that whole thing I mean they were spending all this money redoing their entire office and you could tell that at no point in that journey had they spoken to a neurodivergent person because this whole new overhaul included like massive open plan rooms where like the kitchen was part of the room and like there was people cooking their lunch and it was coming into the office there was like fluorescent (laughs) lights there was bright lights there was like like the, the furniture was like all bright colours and it was literally a sensory nightmare. It was <laughs> honestly, I'd go into work and be like, this is hellish. Like I can't even, <laughs> can't even look anywhere without getting overwhelmed. And essentially the only thing that was available to me and the token sort of thing that they put in was they had these little pods. I'm not kidding you. They were like the size of like a toilet cubicle and they were soundproof they weren't soundproof but you could go in there and lock yourself in there but you're literally locked in essentially what was a toilet cubicle at the end of the office by yourself and that is the only hope in hell you have of actually being able to work because the rest of the office is literally a bin fire and you cannot go outside so that was that was me like when i worked there i had to sit in that pod and just be by myself all the time i couldn't engage with my colleagues i couldn't really have like Relationships in the same way as everyone else could. I couldn't. If I needed help, I had to get out my pod and like walk it. Like it was just mm. so isolating. And another thing was that you couldn't book them, so like I had to just turn up and hope that that pod hadn't been taken. And there were days when it had been <laughs> taken. So I'm like, right, well, where am I supposed to go then? Where was this? This was the Scottish government.
0: It's as, as in Victoria Key, yeah. Uh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, that's. <laughs> and yet, you know, the ADHD medication has been dished down school and is increasing by seven folds. What, yep. what do you think's happened, Jink? You, you know, ADHD. Um, people with ADHD have always been there and are now getting the recognition or do you think what do you think is happening there why, why do you think it's increased We've so heavily? always always been here uh-huh. I
1: think I think what we need to remember is that adult ADHD in particular has only been a diagnosis since 2008 ADHD itself has only been a diagnosis in the UK since, the two, since 2000 so we're still in the very early stages of even understanding ADHD and what it looks like and how it presents so where if you compare it to other things, we're not far enough advanced. And I think you're gonna see, certainly over the next sort of 10 years, you're gonna see a huge rise in people who are neurodivergent because we're just not far enough on yet to understand exactly who, how many people are neurodivergent. I think the now the figure is like one in seven adults in the UK are diagnosed. But that is not representative, and I think people are going to get a shock when they realise actually mm. how many of us are yeah. neurodivergent. I mean, since being diagnosed, like I've learned a lot about autism, ADHD in particular, and just neurodivergence in general, and the amount of people that I can pick out on the street, like you, <laughs> or, yeah. you are neurodivergent. It's crazy. Um, but I think that's the answer. Is just that we've always been here. The fact is that ADHD people have struggled a lot more in in the past because Mm -hmm. they didn't know that they were ADHD there were no answers for them, there was no medication there was no access and now we're getting into this space where there is that access and Mm -hmm. you can get diagnosed and it's easier to obtain the information, I mean with TikTok there's a lot of trends on TikTok about ADHD and a lot of people are discovering that they are neurodivergent online and that's how I discovered that I was neurodivergent was because Mm -hmm. the information was put in front of me, whereas 10 years ago that wasn't the case, so Mm -hmm. it's natural you're going to see an uptake in diagnosis but I think it's, it's, it can only be a good thing.
0: Mm. So have you got like gay dar, but for autism?
1: Absolutely. Like, AD, like ADHD literally, dar.
0: <laughs> literally, I'll
1: meet someone for like a minute. i be like you. So <laughs> I what? Know what, what, you are. what do you look
0: for? like? What do you look for when you see that? Like, how do you know? Is it just the way they? Is it just a nurse, feeling? I is mean, it like a? Every
1: single like neurodivergent person is totally different. Like, and I, I I've spoken about this before, but like. You, when you're neurodivergent your needs kind of change on a daily basis too and, and sometimes an hourly minutely basis it like really depends on your environment, what you're around mm-hmm. what you can control, all the rest of it, how you feel that day um, and so there's not like a, a telltale but mm. there are certain signs of autism <laughs> that are just, there's no way that you're not yeah. like Like, there's a um, I was reading, a, I was watching an a Instagram story the other day and this girl was talking, and she's an influencer and she was talking about how she just, like, her social battery just drains and she needs to go home and lie in a dark room and she gets Mm. really overwhelmed. I'm like, do you think you're... And she's diagnosed with social anxiety, right, which is classic for an a an young girl with autism or adhd mm. being diagnosed with every mental health condition under the sun when actually the core of the issue is that you're autistic mm. and all the stuff that she talks about she's like yeah i just get so overwhelmed and like i don't like noise and like i eat loads of chicken nuggets and <laughs> i'm like <laughs> come on chicken like nuggets it's growing. like 101
0: yeah that's fair uh, you've talked a little bit about covid recently have you been yeah. you been suffering long covid's
1: I did. So um, I caught COVID for the first time. I managed to avoid it the entire pandemic. Classic me. Avoided it. And I worked in the mass vaccination programme. So I was like in and around it for like That's most mad. of the pandemic. Um, and I avoided it. And um, then I caught it one week before I was going on holiday last last March. Oh no. Um, me and Sally were going to New York. Um, and it was the Commission of the States of Women at the UN. I was so excited. And I went and caught COVID just before we left. So it got postponed. Um, but... I was, I was really unwell that, that time. And then I recovered and I was totally fine. No sort of long COVID symptoms. I kind of moved past it. And then during to make me prime minister, I caught it again when we were filming. Really? Um, yeah. So we actually had to shut down production. Um, it was like the night before the final debate, the, like the end of the programme and we all caught COVID. <laughs> was that
0: when you were, you were filming something on the street? I think you had a bit of a a troubled yes. time it's it was that right so i can i can pinpoint it in my head actually, exactly we, so yeah. i
1: was i mean at this point anyway i was so burnt out like Aye. i was dying inside uh-huh. i mean six weeks of like filming 15 hours a day with like cameras and lights pointed at you all the time like i was just i'd, I'd had enough by then And mm. um, but little did i know i also had covid and like i was Jesus. becoming unwell so that was like that was day two and it was day three when we all started to test positive so mm. um yeah, we had to shut down production the night before the big final debate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, actually the infection was okay that time. Um, it was, I mean, there was one day when I was really not feeling great, but apart in comparison to the first time, it was nothing. Didn't think anything of it. And then about... I'd say less than a month later, I started getting weird symptoms like heart palpitations. Oh, wow! Um, and that was kind of the first thing with heart palpitations, and they didn't really link it to COVID to start with. Um, they've only recently managed to link it all together because the symptoms have started to paint a bigger picture. Um, but it started off with sort of like heart palpitations, shortness of breath, things like that. Um, and then December time. I can't even explain to you how I felt. It was like I'd been hit by a train. It was like mm. I couldn't think, I couldn't speak, couldn't like string a sentence together, couldn't find the energy to like leave the house, couldn't mm. do anything. Like I just was miserable. Yeah. And I, I'd never experienced anything like it. I mean, with ADHD sometimes you do sometimes feel like that, and you don't. So I kept mm. thinking, oh, this is just like a bit of a, I'm in burnout. Like I'll be fine, and because like, AD, um, maybe Prime Minister had just finished like on the te on the telly so everything was happening i was doing debate night i was like maybe i'm just like burnt out like maybe i'm just yeah. and it just wouldn't go away oh, yeah. <laughs> and it kept going on and on and i was like this is not adhd yeah. um, and then the heart palpitations got a lot worse and um, i was doing things like i was getting really dizzy when i stood up and mm. things just started to get worse um and then so i started i got referred to cardiology things got a little bit better um, and then I had another flare this year, um, started the summer, the same thing again. Like, and I, in between all this time, heart palpitations didn't stop. So I was getting like heart palpitations all the time, every day, um, especially when I was going from sitting to standing. Um, wow. And like first thing in the morning, I'd have to get up and like, I'd have to take about 50 minutes to get out of my bed because if I stood up, I'd literally fall on the floor. I couldn't, wow. and that never stopped, but the sort of brain fog and stuff did subside for a while and then start of the summer that happened again total attack it was like couldn't think couldn't like my word recall just wasn't even there like, i remember sitting on a meeting with my boss and like she was like are you okay and i was like i don't know <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> i don't
1: know what to tell you because like i don't know what's happening in my brain right now yeah it's... the only way i could describe it was like it was like my brain had turned into like a rock like i couldn't I couldn't do anything i couldn't mm-hmm. think i couldn't do anything i couldn't and i just wanted to sit in the house all day yeah. and it, I, I remember going to greece at the start of the summer and even there i was just sitting in the room all the time i was like there's i can't even move like it's not
0: (laughs) good holiday then (laughs) oh god yeah (laughs) yeah no it's it's weird because it's sometimes almost subtle yeah like because i like obviously i've had it for ages i'm only really starting to feel a bit normal again this year to be honest with you i've just found strength from somewhere i don't know where it's come from um and i guess it is just a patience game and it's keeping your mental Health good as well because your yeah. mental health obviously plays with your physical side of things as well. And if that's getting you down, then that's bringing your yeah, physical right. body down as uh, worse as well. But sometimes it's almost subtle. Like sometimes you're you can go about your day, and you're just just low-key under the weather and you yep. can't really then you can't know it's not it like immediate sort of symptoms if you like but yeah i totally understand what you mean um and i'm 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 i guess covid is sort of accelerating the acceptance of that thing in the workplace uh, hopefully yep. you get the same way ADHD soon yeah. um speaking of that trip to new york that's hmm. caused a bit of a stir oh didn't god it? yeah <laughs> wings over scotland
1: he did not like that
0: trip <laughs> so what happened there What, like god,
1: what? like honestly such a lot of shite i did not go on that trip with the scottish <laughs> government like on record like i went on holiday like me and my pal went to new york as our favorite city uh-huh. we loved new york and it's always been on my bucket list to go to new york for yeah. tartan week i mean i love new york i love scotland big independent supporter why would i not want to go for that yeah so, exactly
0: yeah
1: uh, sally and i booked that uh back in january we were like right let's do it like we need to go for tartan week so we booked it and it just so happened so um sally used to work with angus robertson mm-hmm. and he we'd gone to the march that day and we bumped into him we literally bumped into him like I, I have had no conversations with angus robertson he does not even like he does not have my number he does not dm me on twitter we do not converse like mm-hmm. we didn't even we didn't arrange to meet up like it was nothing we bumped into him at the march and he was like oh why don't you join us like come join us And we were like of course like why would we not want to join in? yeah <laughs> so we joined in and that was literally all it was bad. Was and, and i mean i i Like, up until that point, Sally's had a lot of online abuse. Like, Mm -hmm. Sally's really been through it with with these people online. Up until then, I had escaped them. Like, up until that point, I mean, I was really hope I was really expecting, sorry, that Make Me Prime Minister was going to do it for me and that, like, (laughs) they were going to come after me and I fully prepared myself for it. And they didn't. Mm. In fact, most of them celebrated me on Make Me Prime Minister and it wasn't until then i was like oh my god how do you put up with this like how Mm. have you it honestly sent me to another dimension i was like i i remember the last day of the trip i love the un and i love doing un work and we were going on a un tour on the last day and the photos of me on that tour i'm like you can see the pain in my face like i'm I'm so battered i'm i I was so anxious like people were sending me things like they were digging on my twitter they were like Oh, it was just awful. I had to phone my work and be like, just so you know that like, there's these people. And I haven't even publicised where I work anymore because I'm like, yeah. you, if you find out where I work, you're just going to go for them. Come and after, I just... Yeah. Luckily, like, my, my work is so supportive. Um, but it's never died down since then. It's actually got a lot worse. Wow. Um, and recently, I had a death rate that the police had to investigate. Um, like, I think what people like wings don't understand. I mean, and I, I actually... I don't even want to give him that grace because he has made my life hell for the <laughs> yeah. last few months yeah. because he's just an awful person. But what he does is like, he inspires all these other people to flock to your page. And these other people, you don't know who they are. He himself might not be dangerous, but there might be people in there who are. And I mean, you, I've now had a death rate because of all this yeah. abuse. That puts my safety at risk. Mm. And it's I, I think people just take to, to Twitter and they go online and they spout all this bile and they don't think what the actual consequences of that could no. be. Yeah. And I mean, since then and I think this is the thing as well, is that once you get on that, that there's this faction on Twitter, I think mm-hmm. I'm sure you're aware of them. <laughs> but like Very aware, yes. yes. <laughs> once you're on your their radar, you don't yeah, get off. Uh-huh. And so I could honestly tweet the sky is blue and they'd be off like in there calling me gravy bus girl which isn't even me and they're like they're calling me this the next thing they're calling me like an airhead they're saying that i'm stupid they're saying i'm ugly they're saying honestly all these things like they just do not take a day off and it's just like it's really irresponsible from people like Wings, I think, to be mm-hmm. doing something. And it, it, I think it's actually a bit tragic. Like mm-hmm. this guy used to be like a powerhouse of the independence movement, and he has single handedly destroyed his own legacy. And like yeah. he just hates everything.
0: anyone that supports independence, doesn't he? He does. <laughs> like and it's... in particular,
1: young women. He yeah. Really mm-hmm. gets a B in his bonnet about young. I mean, we wonder why. obviously it's a tale as old as time, isn't it? But like, <laughs> it's just it, It's at a point now where I. I have to pity him because I just think what yeah. a pathetic little man you are nah. and I blocked them all and I'm at a point now where like to start with I didn't know how to deal with it I did not understand like I would respond to some of them I would read them all I'd literally be sitting there like panicking thinking about what they were saying and now I'm like you're all blocked. I don't give a shit. Yeah, like just out you of my life. literally screw it. He can write as many little blogs about me as he wants. I'm literally not I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> like nah. go ahead. I mean it's
0: still it still strikes an emotional chord in me that they came for Sally again because obviously she was doing such incredible work for uh, trying public sexual harassment. Yeah. In um in Scotland she had that parliamentary event, she was writing for Untribal as well, she had some great articles. And I mean this and is the thing, right?
1: they don't have a problem with sally they don't have a problem with me they don't even know they can't tell the difference between me and sally Uh a lot of them don't know who me or sally are they think we're the same person Uh and this is how i've kind of processed it is it's like none of this is personal you don't it's not about me it's about you and it's also whatever anger you're channeling it's not it's not me it's not Mm. sally and it's something that i've tried to get sally to to, to take on as well because it's been really difficult for sally and she's had to face a lot a lot of stuff and i mean like for one unjustified, unjustified as well unjustified I mean I'm sorry no amount of like no tweet could ever justify the amount of shit that she's had from these people online there's yeah. no, nothing no. and it's really it's a, it's a shame it's really mm. it's bad mm-hmm. Um, and I think the point that I've got to with it is like this is not about me this is mm-hmm. about you you don't even know who I am you don't know who Sally is you just know our names and that's yeah. it and that's the only way you can kind of process it
0: how big a problem is that for the independence movement and how important do you think tomorrow's event is in try to revitalize our sense of unity in in that camp
1: i think it's hugely important in that um if we i mean we already get enough from the outside from the, op- the opposite side if we're at each other's throats we're going to split in half. We're going to the movement's going to really suffer, and it is suffering. And I think like the morale of like supporters. I mean, certainly me and uh, certain other young women in the party who before were like, I mean, I was a huge activist. I was out with the SNP yep. and campaigning for independence every weekend when I was young. I was like doing, and I've really withdrawn. I've told, and I'm like, yeah. I'm not the only one. I know I'm not. And that kind of abuse, and it's certainly for young women. I'm seeing a lot of young women in politics. Rhiannon Spear being another one. Who was an absolute powerhouse who had a lot to give who was really talented being like pushed out because she's a young opinionated woman who knows what she's talking about and i keep seeing it happening that that is to our detriment in the movement because it's people it's young people that are going to take us over the line and i feel like and there's an article about this in the national today about how we're attacking or these people are attacking young activists when it's young activists that are going to win us independence mm. and we can't afford to be doing that yeah. Um, and it's really it's just so disheartening it's like besides anything else it's just so like why would I want to even be an activist because this is the price that you pay yeah. for speaking up and using your voice and so
0: ironically without that age group there is no, there is indep- no independence it's, it's nowhere no, near it actually it makes you
1: wonder what the motivations of these people actually are I mean yeah. a lot of the abuse that I get is from independence supporters not necessarily from unionists and I think actually most of this, the abuse that I get is from independent supporters but are they independent supporters that's what I wonder because a lot of the accounts are anonymous you don't know who they are you don't know who's behind the computer is this are they claiming to be independent supporters when actually they're not I don't know but I can't imagine ever attacking anybody like that let alone someone on my own side of the argument Mm. so there's definitely problems but I think tomorrow is a really a really big turning point for Mm. the movement because You've got like the Scottish government getting behind it. Like Hums is going to be there. Lorna Slater is going to be there. Jamie Hepburn is going to be there. You've got like massive activists. You've got like Iona Fife, um, Ally Heather. There's so many people coming tomorrow that have united under this one sort of group of people. And it feels like 2014 again. It feels mm. like for the first time in a long time, there's a bit of hope and there's a bit of like enthusiasm from the movement. I think tomorrow's is going to be really important in, in revitalizing that.
0: Mm. What sort of turnout tomorrow do you think is a success? I
1: think any sort of turnout is a success. I mean, if we get any any people on the mm. floor, on the ground, campaigning for independence, you've got a success. Yeah. I am hearing that we're expecting big numbers, so we'll have to wait and see. But, um, <laughs> but I, I do think there's going to be a good turnout. I think there's yeah. a lot of hype around it, and I think there's going to be a big turnout, so don't want to undersell it, but I, I'm not focused on the number at all. I yeah. think, you know, if... if 500 people turn out, great. 5,000 people turn out, great. If uh, 15,000 people turn out, great. like yeah. However many people we can get to to just enthuse the movement yeah. what what, what so, so
0: it's not necessarily about numbers, it's more about getting ideas across, right, yeah. as a united front. And you've talked a little bit about changing of the guard and how important yeah. that is. What sort of new ideas do you think? What, what, what ideas are coming from the soon-to-be you know, changing of the guard. What, what, what are the new ideas to come of that transition do you think?
1: I think what I spoke about earlier with the National is that we need to get on with painting the picture of what independence actually looks like and the kind of policies that we want to see in an independent Scotland about like equality and diversity and about fairness and social justice and mm. painting the picture of independence and stop getting so lost in the bureaucracy of it and the waving the flags and I don't want independence so that I can wave a flag, it's not mm. about that, it's about genuinely implementing policy that Make Scotland a better place for the people who live here. Mm. And also empowering the people that live here to make decisions for themselves. There are no better people to decide what is best for Scotland than the people who live here. Mm. And so I think that's where we need to, we're getting lost in the bureaucracy and how we're gonna get a referendum and what's it gonna take and what's are gonna do and focusing too much on the SNP as well, because independence is not a party political issue. It is a movement in itself. And the SNP, whilst they might be the best mechanism to get us to independence at this point, They're not the only party that supports independence. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot, there's a hyper focus all the time on the SNP leadership and what they're going to do. And I understand that whatever they choose to do is important, but there's too much focus on the SNP being the number one in independence. And I think it's also, it doesn't work in terms of trying to shift the polls, because if people don't identify with the SNP, but they're maybe undecided and they might want to vote for independence or they're they're unlikely to change their mind drastically on that if they haven't supported the smp since 2014 they're unlikely to support the smp now and if you focus the the on the smp too much you're never going to convince them and wait i think we've seen that in practice i think we've seen you know the polls haven't shifted as much as you would hope them to shift mm. in the last sort of 10 years because i mean really we should be storming this like with yeah. the, the stuff that's been happening from the uk government we should be storming this and we're not and the reason for that is because people like nicola surgeon for example Personally, I love Nicola Sturgeon. I think she's great. A lot of people don't love Nicola Sturgeon. And that's the danger with putting one person at the top or Mm. putting anyone on a pedestal in terms of the independence movement because if the public don't identify with them, and I mean, the public did actually identify with Nicola Sturgeon. She was really popular, but she still didn't shift the dial on independence because those who were really opposed to it and were opposed to her came out in their droves to vote against it. So that's why it's so important to change it up and to have new faces at the, at the top and to listen to new ideas and to change it and, and paint the picture of what it actually could look like instead of seeing the same things over and yeah. over because by doing what we're doing we're not increasing we're not shifting the polls and so we need to do something different
0: yeah i mean i think nicola sturgeon and and to be fair to Alex salmon as well i think they were that was just almost like a stroke of genius where you had two world-class Politicians coming through, and that that really just transformed the landscape of Scotland. But I I always argue that Nicola Sturgeon actually didn't get a fair chance with you know with COVID coming in and you know Brexit coming in as well it was almost like you expected the polls to shift right away because of that but there was that much she actually had on her plate that she didn't really get a fair chance to manage and show good governance. and instability as well
1: people in in instances of instability people crave stability so Mm. if you're you know you're going through a massive global pandemic you've got Brexit thrown in there the country's deeply unstable yeah exactly they're not Uh going to want to vote for independence
0: you (laughs) talked a lot about uh, mentioned there like equality and, and justice and diversity these are the kind of things that you know make independence look attractive right i understand this is a completely hypothetical (laughs) uh, question right but if we were to get for example a properly protected federalist political union right led by a jeremy corbyn or a Mm -hmm. like-minded government would you choose that over an independent scotland run by conservatives for example or what is it about independence specifically that attracts you to that option or does it is it Is it purely about social and economic development or is it about that change of political policy?
1: For me, I think the number one argument is giving the people of Scotland the choice to decide what they want in their government. If we go independent and the next day Scotland votes for the Tories, I mean... I don't want to get Douglas Russell excited because it's not going to happen. <laughs> but if it, if that was the case, I would accept that because mm. Scotland would have chosen it. I think the, th- the thing for me is, and, and I really like Corbyn, I, I went to see him at the Fringe actually last week and I was so impressed. And yep. I just thought, you'd struggle to find the politician that is more closely aligned with my values than him. And I think Labour absolutely fumbled the bag with him massively. But whether or not he was elected would be a short-term solution because it's like yeah, if Corbyn got in, whatever, things might get better in the, in the short term. But the Tories could swoop back in in the next general election mm-hmm. and then you're back to square one. And it's going to be like that. and It's going to continue to be like that until Scotland is independent. Because mm-hmm. right now, Scotland does not decide what it gets. We could all go to the polls tomorrow and all vote Labour. If England votes Conservative, we still get Tories. So, and that's not going to change whether Corbyn's in charge or not. And I think what's most important in in all of this and the whole argument for independence is that it's about giving the power back to the Scottish people and about saying to the Scottish people this is your country this, you live here you are best placed to decide what happens in it hmm. if you want to vote Tory that is your prerogative but like hmm. I have every faith that we won't
0: What <laughs> <laughs> argument made that even if you do vote Labour, that you do get Tory and you've cited uh, the number of the U-turns that Labour have done, i.e. Mm. the two-child policy, EU, rent mm. controls, devolution on drugs and employment raw uh, wealth tax, uh, re- re-nationalising utilities. Do you have any confidence whatsoever that Labour will sort the core issues like economic stability, immigration down south, Uplifting our public services if they're voted in at the next election. Mm-hmm. Do you have any confidence whatsoever?
1: I have to say, right. We're we trying not the... to
0: be as biased. <laughs> like I know, I know what you're gonna say, but like, <laughs> is there a, is there an ounce of, you know, is there anything that you're you're confident about in that Labour government?
1: I keep looking for things. I keep hoping that one day I'm gonna wake up and Keir Starmer's gonna come out with a really good policy and it's gonna blow me away. I'm not seeing it, I don't. And on the biggest, and I think what's most important is like on the biggest issues that you want them to do better on, they've come out and like you turned on them all and they're essentially mm. saying, we're just going to continue as normal, everyone's going to be the same. I don't have faith that it's going to get better and I think... It's just such a like typically british problem that like for we're finally getting rid of the tories and then labour have gone and elected keir starmer who's essentially just a red tory and he's just going to continue as normal i think this in itself is like argument number one for independence this is what happens when you're not independent and you don't make decisions for yourself mm. um so no i don't have faith in labour i mean would i prefer them over the tories absolutely get the tories out lock the door never see them again Uh I- cannot stand the tories and i don't want them anywhere (laughs) near government um and so if if that's the question if you're asking if i'd prefer labor i would but do i have faith in them absolutely not and i think keir starmer is a total sellout and like labor the founders of the labor party must be turning in their graves watching what he's doing to that party and like i said earlier corbyn was a real Labour man and a real socialist and really represented true Labour values. And they fumbled the bag so badly with him. And now they've just become a sort of cl- a-, a-, a Tory light. <laughs> and that's that's all down to Keir Starmer. So,
0: so one question I often uh, ask my guests is who would be at your dinner party? And you know, you choose like celebrities that mm-hmm. you, you like. So, I want to ask you the opposite. <laughs> what would be your dinner party from hell? And my would, dinner party from hell. Would, would Keir Starmer be on it? Let's say you've got five Keir choices. Starmer.
1: I, I can't stand Keir Starmer <laughs> I just think he's such a wet wipe I just think you're, there's not a backbone in there like there's nothing and I just think if you're if you're a Tory be a Tory with your whole chest you know go and join them it's, you, you can do that like no one's stopping you but you don't need to destroy labour um, I think him wings over Scotland would probably be he'd get a, he'd <laughs> get they, a would they get
0: an up. anonymous mask to, to <laughs> attend <I> them <laughs> I know
1: would he be able to peel himself from his laptop from long enough who knows um, You've got three more. Three more. Donald Trump. Trump. If he's still a free citizen <laughs> and can <laughs> <Damn> attend. <it. laughs> um, oh, who else? Douglas Ross.
0: <laughs> Ross. Shock.
1: He's the worst. Um, who else? Joanna Cherry.
0: Interesting. <laughs> I. Are we going to go there? <laughs> I
1: don't mind going there. I mean, I... I don't have anything against her personally. I do think she is just completely opposite to me and my values. I don't, uh, and and she said a couple of things. There was one thing that she said about. Uh, she wrote a letter about um something to do with autism, and it really did not sit right with me. I didn't like it at all. Um, so and I just think there's a there's a lot of drama surrounding her all the time that just detracts from the movement and mm-hmm. it detracts from the message. And I think she is a big distraction. Um, and I think just generally some of the things that she says I really do not like and I, I don't identify with at all. Um, and I, I just don't have any time for it. I don't have any time for that kind of politics.
0: Does, do you think that anything that she's saying is important or relevant in today's society?
1: I, 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 I don't think so. I mean, like she's got that Joanna Cherry has a lot of good views on other issues, but she's getting so tied up in this one policy area. And she's so hyper focused on it that like all of her talents around everything else are kind of lost and like she's now no longer this. I mean, when I first joined the SNP, Joanna Cherry was like a powerhouse of a woman who like was like massively in support of independence, who was like a big figure in the SNP. She was one of the the biggest politicians we had. And now she's just this one politician with this one issue, this one trick pony who is like, goes on and on and on about this one issue and, I, and it's actually really damaging to, to certain members of society it's not it's not and it's not conducive to a good debate either it's not conducive to anything good mm. and I, I just don't like any of it I don't identify with any of it I don't agree with any of it um, and as an SNP member it really frustrates me actually that it's been allowed to continue for as long as it has
0: kelly given thank you very much for coming down to the studio today it's been an absolute pleasure thank you. is there anything else you'd like to say to our listeners before you go
1: not at all get out to the march get out, out to the march and, <laughs> and support oh that's
0: another one you're hosting tomorrow tell us about, about your your role tomorrow and what, what you're doing yeah you so
1: uh, ali heather and i will be hosting uh, the believe in scotland march and rally tomorrow and um, we've got some big names Hamza Yusuf will be there lorna slater will be there um brian cox was meant to be there but he's just <laughs> tested positive for covid so yeah. i'm so upset about that because my favorite ever film in the entire world is the devil wears prada right i love wow. it so much i've always it's always been my favorite film and emily blunt is obviously in the devil devil wears prada i went on brian Cox's instagram the other day and his last photo was with emily blunt i'm like oh my oh, god no. there's going to be one degree of separation between me and Emily <laughs> Blunt <laughs> and now he's not coming I'm sure he'll be
0: the next one but... I know
1: I know but no I think it's going to shape up to be a really great event and um, there's a lot of there's a lot of good energy around it so get down there support it thanks Kelly thank you